reading of scripture and times of solitude and fasting and, and all of these practices that people have done. But to, how do we look at these and do these things without kind of a, a legalism and like, oh, now here's just another checklist of things to do. But how can we do these things in a way that we meet God in them and receive grace and are formed and transformed by God? So and that's, that's what we're talking about for the whole year. I'm super excited about this. I think it's going to be really good for us. Is I think in our effort to kind of be the people of God and, and do those things, we've sometimes neglected our own personal connection with God. Sometimes um, we, we live in America, right? Like we're a very individualistic society. And often the church aims really at, like, it's all about you and God, and forgetting the, the church as a corporate family of God, and we emphasize that familial nature of the church um, so much that sometimes we can forget, like, yeah, but we need to be grounded in the word ourselves, we need to have a connection with, you know, vital connection with God as Father ourselves, in order to, to and, and it's only fanned in the flame of the community and the family of God. So, overall, my goal this morning is to communicate to you that the Father loves you. And that's really simple, and yet, like, it's almost cliche, and, and I think we, we miss it sometimes. We miss the fact that the fact that God our Father loves us is the foundational truth of Scripture. Like, it's the, it's the thing that has the power to transform us and we forget that, and we don't experience it as much as I want us to. So let's read, we'll begin by reading John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. And give you a second to flip there. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, or the farmer. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. It's the word of the Lord. So, this this little section is part of um, Jesus's kind of farewell address to his disciples in John, from chapter thirteen to seventeen. This is the you know, the farewell, and so the context here is that. The disciples have just had shared the Passover meal together, the Last Supper. Right? He washed his disciples' feet, and then they're talking, they're having the meal. They get up and start walking, and this is one of the things that, that Jesus says to them. I imagine he's walked by a vine and some branches. Right? And he says, look, here's, the, here's the, the idea. I'm like the vine, you're like the branches. Um, Notice he says you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. That's kind of a double entendre there. It also means pruned. And this is right after he had also washed their feet and cleansed them and kind of figuratively cleansed them of the enemy within because he sent Judas out um, at that point. So question for you guys. Um, when you think about the this idea of the vine and the branches, what are the what things kind of come to your mind? What what does that like example kind of bring up for you? What do you think of? What does this metaphor make you think of? For me, the whole aspect of organic rather than a relationship that's based on certain rules and guidelines. There's a, there's a natural, uncontrollable reality about it. Yeah. And a natural, uncontrollable, organic reality. 
What else do you think of? Yeah, Tom. I kind of think of uh, what Seth was saying on the yard. Like, we have a similar yard, and like, I get lazy and don't do stuff, and then it gets out of control. And so, um, kind of just thinking of in that natural theme of like, if it's not done, how much of a headache it is later. You know, even though it's a lot of work up front, if you don't do it, it's more work later on and becomes uncontrollable. Yeah. He's the he's the vine dresser, the farmer. He's the one that's pruning so that more fruit will be produced. Yeah. Disconnected. If you lock the branch off, it's not going to continue to produce fruit. Um, that, yeah. It's life. Life is passed through the branch to the vine, or from the vine to, to the branch. Like, um, and it's it's a living thing. There's something about relationship. It's not mechanized. I think if if Jesus was on Earth now, I don't think he would use a technological metaphor for this. You know, it wouldn't be that. Like, we're, we have to be plugged into the socket to get electricity, and if you're unplugged, the, you know, the, the computer's not going to work anymore. Um, like, there, there's something significant about it being an organic thing that God created that is kind of uncontrollable in that sense. Like, the, the branch doesn't create the fruit on its own. The branch creates fruit as a natural outflow of being connected. And I think that's a huge, important message for us. Um, like our work, it's interesting, the command is to abide, right? Remain, stay. Not to go do stuff, but to just stay. Because we tend to not do that. And so we have to be commanded to just stay connected to Jesus. And that's that's where all this good fruit comes from. Um, so I really like this phrase, that, and uh, Jack Vanderstelt used it on the when we were on the retreat. Said, "Abiding 
leads to abounding. Like, we're not going to abound with good fruit unless we're abiding in him. And we could wrongly kind of aim at abounding and try and make it happen. Um, and it's never going to be effective and fruitful unless, like, we need to aim at abiding and let abounding happen. We tend to aim at abounding and wonder why it's not working because we're not, and don't realize we're not abiding. Um, so, you know, we want to see change and transformation and experience of God's love and, and, and patience and faithfulness and joy. And if we aim at those things, we don't get them. We have to aim at staying with Jesus and, and family, that's what I want us to hear. That, like, let's, let's aim, keep the main thing the main thing. Like, let's aim at staying connected to Jesus and let him produce all the stuff. Yeah, Greg. I remember when Abe was talking, sharing with our group one time, uh, he said that for a year, someone come was praying for fruitfulness, and then they realized that's not the purpose of the purpose of abiding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If if we want fruitfulness, but what we need to ask for is the ability to remain, to stay connected to the vine, because fruitfulness will come if we stay with Him, we stay connected. Um, in John, right before this chapter, John fourteen. Jesus says, whoever has seen the seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He's responding to Philip's question of, like, show us the Father. Um, and he says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So, and the passages, this farewell discourse of Jesus is somewhat repetitive. Like, as he's saying the stuff about the vine and the branches, he's giving a new metaphor for something he's already said. Um, and so he's re-emphasizing. Anytime we see in Scripture there's some repetition, that's a good clue for us to, to think, like, okay, this, you know, this is important. I need to pay extra attention to it. It's been repeated again. So Jesus is establishing that... Um, Abiding in Him is abiding in the Father, that they're one and the same. And I want us to like really hear this point that the gospel of Jesus leads to knowing God as Father. Right? God has lots of names in the scripture. We sang Rock of Ages, He's the Creator, He's the Provider. Um, he's our Savior. There's many, many names and attributes of God. But interestingly, when Jesus prays, every time it's recorded in the scripture, he addresses God as Father all at one time. And we'll get to that. And over 150 times, he refers to God as Father. Um, to a to address God as Father in prayer really is to acknowledge 
that through the gospel we've been adopted into his family. And, and I think that is the essential foundation for all of our prayer. Our understanding of our connection to God as Father. Um, being made right with God through the gospel opens the door for us to share this radical intimacy that Jesus experiences with the Father. John 17, at the end of this discourse, um, Jesus prays that we would be one with the Father as he is one with the Father. Like, that should blow our minds, right? Like, Jesus is asking that we would be as close to God the Father as he is. And that's what he's inviting us into, and that's so far from our experience, if we're honest, right? Like, maybe we've got a glimpse of that sometimes, but that's what he's calling us into. J.R. Packer wrote, um, everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new, everything that is distinctively Christian is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. The father is the Christian name for God. And he said, if you, you want to know how much, you know, how mature someone is, ask them what they think of being a child of God and having God as your father. Like, that's the barometer. So the thought of God being our father really should prompt all of our prayer and our worship and, and kind of color every aspect of our lives as disciples. And all of our prayer is built on this foundation of God being our Father. And we may have had earthly dads who were average or absent or abusive or amazing, but... Um, whether in by their example or by their non-example, they point us to God the Father. And I want us to let the Bible define fatherhood, not our experiences. So when we when we think of God as Father, let's let's think of what the Bible says about him, his fatherhood, and not get hung up on our earthly dads and how they may or may not have been a, a good example of what God the Father was like. Um, John Piper wrote a book called God is the Gospel and the, the idea being that the getting God himself is the good news. That the good news is, is not just that our sins are forgiven but that we get God as Father. He's the best thing in the universe. We get him. That's the good news. And so, lots of scholars, theologians have talked about the, the doctrine of justification that we're, um, that we're made right with God and said the doctrine of adoption that we're brought into God's family is actually more important, more significant, more powerful a bigger part of our lives than the doctrine of justification. Because what are we justified for? 
for relationship with him, his adoption of us into his family should be the like controlling uh, relationship, the, the foundational idea of what it means to be his people. So, I mean, what's it look like then to abide in Jesus, especially through prayer, with this understanding of God being our dad, our father? And that's what I want to chat about a little bit. Like, what, how do we do this? How do we abide in Jesus in prayer and understand that fatherhood of God? I forget the author, but there's a book called Duty to Delight about these spiritual practices. And the, I think the, the big point is that it, sometimes it takes doing this often before it becomes delight. That we need to put some we need to put some reps in before it becomes all that it can be. Um, my daughter Zoe just learned to drive, right? She's got her license now and um, one of the things I you know was talking to her about in the process was like so you've got teenagers, right, who compared to older adults, like their their reflexes are faster, their their eyesight is better, you know, they're um, like physically they they should be better at at this task of driving a car. But we know they're not, right? Like we know that the the stats prove that, you know. Teenagers get more accidents than older drivers. Like, now why is that? It's like, there's no substitute for reps. Like, you just gotta do it over and over and over before you get better. And there's no way around that. Like, you just need time. And I think our practice of abiding in Jesus, there's no substitute for reps. Like, you, you gotta do it over and over and over, and you get better at it with time. Um, so Nathan and I do this um, father-son camping trip every summer and, and, and uh, we go down to, to Oregon it's called Sons of Thunder there's uh, a camp and there are these experiences that are created so that dads and boys get to uh, have an experience that they, they kind of debrief afterwards and, and it's, it, it's really like teeing up a spiritual conversation with between a father and a son. And one of the one of the things that we did, um, Nathan's blindfolded, and and these are like swim goggles blacked out. Like you're seriously blindfolded. It's not like a cloth where you can kind of see down next to your nose. Like it, you can see nothing. Um, and and uh he was on a basketball court. There's a big pail, a uh, big like I don't know, twenty gallon bucket of water, and and then um, was it a trash can? Yeah, I think there's a, a, a and a trash can, and he was given a cup, like silo cup. He had to put the cup, empty cup, on his head, walk to the bucket of water, 
fill up the water, put it back on his head, walk to the empty trash can and dump it in, blindfolded. And of course, you know, it's all set up. They tell the kids this is what we're gonna do. You put on the blindfolds and then they move everything. So you have no idea where anything is. And, and he had to listen to me giving him instructions how to do this. But on the basketball court, there are 50 other kids trying to do the same thing and all their dads are standing outside of the basketball court like me yelling at their sons to at what, what they're supposed to do. You can imagine it's a frustrating experience, right? Your kids are bumping into each other, spilling water on each other. and um, But the whole idea was, can you pick out your father's voice in the midst of the chaos and noise and trust that your father's going to lead you in the right direction? And, like, what a visceral, powerful image, right? Like, to do that and then... You know, of course, we had to trade places, and you know, and then there was another one where, like, now we're not on a basketball court; we're on a giant field, and you're yelling, like, just, you know, hundred yards away, trying to um, connect. So there's a lot of yelling, lots of lot of crying, lots of listening, you know, like, lots of blindfolding, lots of blindfolding. A lot of different years. Right, and, and I mean, this is enough of a, a powerful experience, and we did similar experiences many years between kindergarten and eighth grade. Um, and, but the, that idea that, like, what's it take to hear your father's voice? I, he probably couldn't have picked out on some other dad's voice. Like, if they were randomly paired together, like, okay, now you've got to listen to this dad, that probably wouldn't have worked. He had lots of reps listening to my voice over the years, right? Lots of yelling <laughs> and what to do and what not to do. But uh, so, like, it pays off, right? We, uh, Jesus said, my, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. It takes time. It takes reps to, to get that familiarity with Jesus. And so I say that to encourage you that if you, if you, stop and try and listen to the Father and try and hear him communicate his love to you and it just feels awkward and you don't feel like well I sat here for five minutes I didn't get anything it's okay keep trying you need to remain abide stay with him keep keep doing it and, and that will come So I do want to clarify, sometimes people in Christian circles say, I heard this from God. And, um, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, like, did they hear an audible voice? Could other people in the room hear it? Like, what does that mean? Sometimes it's, especially if you're new to faith or just, you've been around for a long time and you heard this, it's like, I don't have that experience. I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Um, I, I just wanted to talk about that for, for a second. And um, the, the thing I want to emphasize the most is that the scripture is the word of God. When we read his word here, this is the authoritative 
um, way that we can hear from the Spirit. When God speaking to us through his word is the sure way that he's speaking to us. Um, and if we have a sense in our thoughts that he's communicating something else to us, it's got to line up with his word. Right? Like, if, if, uh, if a man comes to me and says, I, I've, I've heard from God that I should lead my wife. Like, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think you, you had some bad tacos or something. Like, you're missing it. Like, you're not hearing, you're not hearing what the, the Spirit is telling you because he's not going to contradict himself. Um, so, we always want to start here. And um, my friend Abe used to say that the Spirit speaks Bible ease. That, you know, the more familiar we are with Scripture, the more we're going to be able to hear what the Spirit's saying. Because Jesus said the Spirit's going to remind you of the truth that he said. So very often the Spirit reminds us of a verse. Um, I've had a friend that said, like, I, I feel like, you know, she was young to faith and said, I feel like the Spirit's saying this. And, and she didn't know it, but it was a verse in the scripture that I, that I recognized, and I pointed it out to her. Look, I think you're right, because it's here. Um, which is such a cool experience for her to go like, yeah, I was really hearing from God, because I had no idea that was a verse in the Bible, but now it's here. And now I see it. You've pointed it out to me. Um, so often, for me, if I'm praying, I'm trying to listen to the Father, um, I'll have a thought that I, I think that might be from God, um, and then I, I think, like, does it fit? Does it fit the character of God? Does it produce good fruit? Is it peaceable and full of love? Is it the kind of thing that God would say? Um, is it similar to scripture that I know he said? And that's, that's a good way to start. So what I want us to do is to take a few minutes to pray silently where we are and um, and I'm I'm absolutely sure from the scripture that the Father wants to tell you He loves you. Like the gospel shows us His love. Um, for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son to die for us. All right, Romans five five says um, that the Holy Spirit pours out His love in our hearts. And so, um, and I want to go back to John 15 and thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So, as you sit for a minute, like your mind's very likely going to wander off to something else. Just come back to that verse. Greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend.
and then think about that for a minute. And allow the Father to uh, communicate his love for you. And then afterwards, we'll kind of talk about that all together and see um, like what thoughts or images that, that God might have brought to mind and hopefully encourage one another with how much God loves us. So um, I'm going to set a timer. We'll do three minutes. It might feel like it's super long, but I think we can do it. So let me pray for us as we start. Father, would you help us to hear your word, hear how much you love us, and for that to be a real, um, to, to please make that real to us so that we see how good you are and how much you truly love us. Was that super awkward? <laughs> awkward enough. It's a little weird to be in a room full of people not saying anything, right? Um, so, briefly, someone want to share something that they felt like they heard or understood or a picture that they saw from God? Or just a comment on about experience that it feel awkward or peaceful or something that echoed for me was just like you know the the whole father loves me part is just like just brought me back to being like a child and seeing Jesus loves me and like how like you know it's it's such a stable teacher kid like mm-hmm. like how like that's that's the essence of it like it doesn't matter how old we are right simple is not always easy. That's a great thought to think about a real friend, a physical friend in this room giving up their life for you. Like, we should be more, a thousand times more grateful that the God of the universe would give up his life for us. But yeah, it's easy to lose sight of that, even though we talk about it all the time. Right? I think that's the that's the, the thing I want us to grab is like. These are things we talk about all the time. It's not new, but we're but we need to lean in and press into His love for us, so that we stay there and remain there. Um, I mean, how many times have you prayed and just kind of you know said a bunch of stuff, but not really thought about the fact that you're talking to your heavenly Father who loves you deeply? 
Like, it's just never, like, you went through the motions, you, you, you know, listed off some things that you need, but, like, you, you didn't actually have a thought that, like, oh, this is my dad who loves me. How often do we come to God with, like, shame, assuming that he's going to be disappointed in us because we haven't done X, Y, or Z? When, you know, he says, I won't put you to shame. And he's at, like, we get the righteousness of Jesus. Like, his perfect record is given to us. So he loves us just like Jesus himself. Um, Matthew 3.17, Jesus comes up out of the water and hears a voice from heaven saying, This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Like, because of Jesus' death, God says that to you. This is my beloved son, daughter, in whom I'm well pleased, regardless of what you did that day or didn't do that day. Because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Many of us have probably made, you know, had a New Year's resolution or thought about kind of a goal for this year. Maybe one of those was to pray more um, and, or to read the Bible more, do one of these spiritual practices more. And, and you're thinking, I wanna, I'm going to discipline myself to do this thing more that I haven't been doing. Um, and I want you to, I want to encourage you to not discipline yourself to pray more. That sounds weird. I want to encourage you to discipline yourself to repent of the fact that you believe in your heart you don't need to pray. Right? That was, there was something going on beneath your lack of prayer, my lack of prayer. So, as I look back on the last year, I thought, I, I, ha I didn't pray enough. Like, I didn't believe that God was, for whatever reason, I didn't pray enough. I believed that I could handle life without God um, often. It's like, confessionally, of course, I don't believe that. I believe I need God, absolutely. I believe the scriptures, you know, when Jesus says, I can do nothing apart from him. But my actions betray the fact that in my heart I believed I could do a lot without him. And so for me at this, you know, December, January, I was thinking about the last year, I want to repent of the fact that in, you know, many times I believed I could do life without the help of God. And so um, Jesus said the work of God is to believe in the one he sent. The work of God isn't to pray and to read the Bible and to give to the poor and all these things as much as it is to believe in the one he sent, to abide in him, and then all those things are the natural outflow of that. So, for me, I wanted to repent of the fact that I didn't do these things the way, I, I, I feel conviction from the Spirit that like, there's a lack of of prayer and so now I want to set a goal that's helping me to bear fruit in keeping with repentance 
So I want to discipline myself to repent of the fact that I don't that I think I don't need God to express to God in faith, I do need you. My Father, I believe, help my unbelief. And then set a goal to help me stay in line with that. Um, so that's what I want to challenge you guys to do as well. Um, and, and this is what I want to, to ask you to do very specifically. Do what we just did for five minutes every day. Like, let that be a goal to just sit and remember that God loves you. I think we can all carve out five minutes. Um, and for this quarter, as we're thinking about prayer and really getting into it, I don't want us to get bogged down with, okay, I got to adore God and then confess and thank and then thank Him, and only then get to, I get to ask Him for stuff or, you know, the mechanics of like, a different tool or something we might use to help our prayer. I don't want that stuff to sidetrack us from actually meeting with the God of the universe who's our dad who loves us. So for five minutes, would you, every day, just ask God to remind you of how much he loves you? Um, I have a, a little document that I had a little trouble printing this morning, so I will post it on our Facebook group. Or, it printed just fine except for the colors all wonky. Um, so, I have a few of these if you'd like to grab, um, grab one, and it, it basically lists a dozen verses that you can meditate on, that help you think through how much God loves us. And I'll, I'll post it so you can print it yourself or look at it online or your phone or whatever you want. Um, but let's do that together. And um, I, I don't want this to be just an idle request. I really want us to do this. I want all of us to do this. I think it will change our church. I think it will transform how much we understand the Father's love. And... Like I said, we need lots of reps. So we need to do this a lot. And maybe maybe you're at, like, I'm going for 10 minutes. I want to do this for 20 minutes. Or, but I think all of us can start with five minutes. And I'd encourage you to do it in the morning. Um, C.S. Lewis said the, the, the problem is that in the morning, all of our wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And what we have to do is shove them aside and listen to the voice of God. And so this is a way to, like, before you get going, put aside all the, like, anxieties of the day and allow God to tell you that he loves you and see how the day goes after that. And it's not that it's a one-time inoculation for 24 hours like we need to keep doing this over and over during the day but like let's start with doing it once in the morning so that we we build this sense of the father's pleasure with us and his love for us it's really remarkable and we don't understand it and um, it takes the spirit to illuminate that to us I mentioned earlier that there's one time where Jesus prayed 
It is recorded in the scripture that he did not address God as Father. And that's on the cross where he, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus, um, who had this perfect, eternal relationship with God as Father, gave that up so that we could have that relationship with God as Father. So he became sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. So as we go to the table, let's think about that. That how much the Father loves us, Jesus gave that up so that we could get it. So Father, help us to believe that. To, to, um, we believe, help our unbelief. Help us to, to know deep in our bones how much you love us. Um, and we pray that we would stay there, we'd abide and remain in your love for us. And that that, that would transform our lives. That we would be formed in a way that we flourish as human beings, um, as we're living close to you, um, in line with you, under your protection and guidance. Help us to remember that the, the gospel accomplishes all of this and opens the door uh, for us to be connected to you, part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.